Good morning, everybody. It is December 27th, 2023. And if you're listening to us on one of our podcast services, we thank you so much. But if you'd also like to see us live and in the webcam, we are on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Kick, and X. So make sure that if you want to see us live, that those are the platforms that you watch us on, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Kick, and X. Uh, we also have a text line. If you have any disagreements or if you want any prayer requests or if you just want to you know, talk or send in questions for us to talk about on the stream, you can uh, text us at 833-262-6431. You can also comment on the stream live, but if you want to text us in something personal or to actually get a hold of us behind the scenes, it'll be 833-262-6431. So my name is Austin. You can catch me here on Faithful Dialogues, and I also have a private channel or a personal channel called MHTY Official, and it is just me making video game content and Christian-based content. And um, yeah, so my name is Austin, and I'm with my buddy Ryan. Hey everybody, my name is Ryan, and you can find all of my personal videos over at AIIW.org. Been having a lot of fun recently making some different shorts, and uh, yeah, you should go check them out and share them with your friends. <laughs> Alrighty, so we are going to go ahead and talk about the gospel message, and the gospel message is essentially the good news of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, and God wants you to know that he loves you so much that he came down into, he entered our time-space capsule and became a human being like one of us, like like his creation, and he lived the perfect life because he knew we couldn't do it, and he allowed his perfect life to be a sacrifice for our sins so that our sin would be attributed to Jesus on the cross, and his righteousness would be attributed to us when we have faith in him. And then ultimately when we die, we get to go to heaven. And so a lot of people might think, you know, um, God is kind of like an angry figure. And if you break one of his laws, then he's going to send you to hell. And it's, it's really not like that at all. The Ten Commandments are just there to show you God's perfect standard that we, we are ultimately incapable of following it. And so he came to follow his own standard. And if we have faith in his son jesus christ um that he was a real person that he died on the cross for our sins he was buried and rose three days later um the resurrection uh from the father is to show that his perfect life was accepted um as a sacrifice and so yeah if you put your faith in jesus christ you will have eternal life and you will get to be with him in paradise and you get to go to heaven and so heaven is for all those that accept god and hell is all is reserved for those that reject God. And so me and Ryan would encourage you to put your faith in Jesus Christ so that you can go to heaven. Amen. And once you've done that, you are responsible for a few different things. You get a lot of benefits of going to heaven and being with God and Jesus for eternity. But on top of that, you have some responsibilities to go out into your community and act as a priest. According to Revelation 1.6, we have all been made kings and priests to God the Father, which is an incredible, incredible thing. We are very blessed to have that responsibility. And so that's what Austin and I are here doing. We're, we're trying to minister to our community, and we hope and we pray that you do as well. You figure out what God has called you to do and how you're supposed to go out and spread the gospel. 
Uh, we just want, God desires that everybody comes to salvation, and uh, so do we. So we uh, want to be a part of that process, because God has blessed us with that responsibility. Yeah, and if you're hearing this message, and um, you ever, if someone ever does come to faith, I hope they reach out and let us know. Um, you know, you can text us at 833-262-6431, but you could also leave a comment on on uh, one of the videos, and that'd be, that'd be so cool to actually get some kind of feedback that uh, our efforts actually uh, were fruitful and in, in, in a sense to bring somebody to salvation or a saving faith in Jesus Christ. That'd be wonderful. Amen. Um, yeah, it'd be a huge blessing to see uh, the fruits of our labors, but even if we don't get to meet you till we, we're all in heaven together, that'll be uh, just fine with me as well. <laughs> yeah, all right. And so we are patiently awaiting the return of Jesus Christ, and we are we are so excited. Uh, we hope that uh, he comes back in, you know, 30 seconds or five minutes. But if he doesn't come back for another couple years or decades, then we'll be patiently awaiting that as well. And so one thing that the Bible talks about is the fullness of the Gentiles. So, Ryan, can you tell us a little bit about the fullness of the Gentiles? Yeah, so the fullness of the Gentiles is kind of a funny phrase, and the Bible uses words a little bit differently than we do in modern English. All it's saying with that is that there's a specific number of uh, Jew of non-Jews that God is waiting for, and then at that point, everything will be fulfilled and complete and God, uh, Jesus can come back and take his church to go be with him in heaven while we wait for uh, the whole tribulation period and end times to kind of uh, unfurl and, and uh, you know, go about uh, what God has already told us is going to happen. And so, uh, yeah, basically it's just a number of saved people. Once that number's full, once it's complete, we all are going to get raptured sometime pretty soon after that. And uh, yeah, that's what that's what I believe. There are different beliefs on that, and uh, you can be saved and, and have a slightly different belief on that than what me and Austin do. But that's uh, basically what we understand it to be. Yeah. So some people think that um, there's this big tribulation period that's going to come, where basically the antichrist or the son of perdition is revealed, and um, he's going to be like a political figure that uh, brings temporary peace, and then for like three and a half years or something like that. And then basically he's going to start oppressing all of God's people. And uh, <clears throat> for lack of better words, all hell is going to break loose during this tribulation period. And it's kind of like signaling the end of the end times there. And so some Christians believe that the church is going to be taken up um, before that tribulation period. Some people think it's going to be during or even after the tribulation period. So there's um, none of that pertains to you being saved or you going to heaven. It's just kind of what you think as far as the Bible says and how that's supposed to play out. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, w I would love to cover that um, as one of our future episodes. Um, maybe we can do that um, in the next couple weeks. Um, next week, I think we've, we've both got some stuff going on that we're not going to be able to to do a stream. So uh, there is going to be a week gap between this episode and the next episode. So maybe we can come up with some material for that. Um, but yeah, so, all right. Um, did you have anything to add before we do some Bible reading? No, we'll, we'll jump right on into that. Let me uh, get that pulled up. Got to get the right. So we started a, a segment guys, where we're going to start reading kind of common questions that people have about the Christian faith and 
people who are and aren't Christians kind of have just general questions about things. And so we're going to try our best to answer as biblically accurate as possible. And last week we, we started that for the first time and it, it was really, it went really well. It, it, um, um, it did take up a bunch of time, but that's okay. And so we didn't end up getting to our Bible reading. So we're going to go ahead and do that first before we uh, do some questions. So yeah. we are going to be in John 6 and Proverbs 6. But for the for John 6, we're going to be reading out of the English Standard Version, the ESV. And we are going to be chapter 6, verses 60 through 71. All right. Do you want me to read that? Um, yeah, go ahead. But for a little context, um, the, the last thing that we read is that um, Jesus was saying, this is the bread that came down from heaven, um, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever, speaking of his body. And then, um, uh, so yeah, he was basically saying he was the bread of life. And so um, when we start this, this verse here, uh, just giving you guys kind of context. All right, so go ahead. All right. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were, who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed, and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke, to Judas, he spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. All right, so just a quick couple questions. Um, so there's a difference between the ap uh, apostles of Jesus and then disciples of Jesus. So when it said after this many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him um these are not the apostles right correct yeah all 12 of the apostles stayed with him but there were many other people that uh were gathered around and were kind of like a, a a secondary uh a group of people that were outside of the in the the 12 disciple uh, yeah the 12 apostles and so okay um at one point he sends out 70 people to go and, and preach uh, basically the gospel to all of Israel. Uh, so they would have been some of those people potentially, um, or just those kinds of people that were just around Jesus would have been sent with them. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Um, another thing. Oh, yeah. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to say uh, one of the, one of the lines in here that's very important and, and trips up a lot of people, especially are, are especially Catholics. Uh, it says, uh, in verse 63, it says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And if we go back up a couple weeks ago, we read um, up here, it says uh, in verse 22, or uh, sorry, it says, um, basically, it, it's, it talks about uh, 
eating eating uh for the bread of god is he who comes down wait 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 i'm sorry i needed to uh so ba basically um earlier in the in the in the chapter jesus is talking about how you need to eat his flesh and drink his blood uh and that's where a lot of that's where the catholic teaching of transubstantiation comes from that the elements of communion literally turn into Jesus's flesh and his blood. But that is answered. That question is answered here in this, in this text at the end and where it says it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And so when Jesus is talking about eating his body and drinking his blood, he's not talking about physically eating a piece of his actual flesh or drinking some of the blood that he spilled for you. He, he's talking about the fact that um, you will you have to you have to partake in his sacrifice in order to be saved, and that's a spiritual thing, not a physical. You have to eat his his flesh, and this was a really hard teaching for his disciple, even his uh, his disciples, not the apostles, but even for those disciples, they were leaving because it sounded like he was promoting cannibalism, and that would have been horribly horribly evil as as far as the jews are concerned yeah i think so i think you're talking about uh john 6 chapter uh, verse 53 so jesus said to them truly truly i say to you unless you eat of the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood you will have no life in you yes and then 54 whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and i will raise them up on the last day for my flesh is the true food and my blood is true drink Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I abide in him. Um, exactly. So, yeah. And so, uh, so that was what he said to a big group. And then later on, he's talking to his disciples and they're asking him, this is a really, this is really tough, Jesus. How do we square the fact that the worst thing you can do as a Jew is eat human flesh? You can't even go touch a grave. Like one of the things that the Jews would do uh, before major feasts and before uh, different celebrations is they'd go and they'd paint all of the uh, the tombs with white paint to make sure that you knew not to touch one. Because if you even went and touched a, a gravestone, you could not go into the temple and participate in all of the uh, the ceremonies in the temple because you're unclean. So death and, and human flesh... Uh, are a very big deal to the Jewish people, and that would have been a very tough teaching if he actually meant that you have to eat his physical flesh and drink his physical blood. But we see, like, like, like he said, like Jesus says here, it, it, the flesh profits nothing; it's spirit that gives life. And so he's talking in a spiritual sense. And so that that is a direct answer to some of the uh, some of the heresies and some of the problems that that the Catholics are are that that, that they have today. Okay. Um, in, in verse 64, when it says, but there are some of you who do not believe for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. Are those two different things? Is he talking about the disciples that walked away or is he speaking that like Judas didn't believe? So uh, both is what it sounds like. Uh, what I think it's trying to communicate here is that Jesus had a supernatural understanding of what people believed and where their hearts were at. And so you'll see in a few different places in the Bible that Jesus kind of cuts right to the right to the exact thing that the that this person's having a problem with. And it's because he has some supernatural understanding of human beings and, and what we're going through. 
And so one of the things that Jesus would have needed to know just to, because he was orchestrating a lot of these different uh, um, things that, that were happening in his life. You know, he, so uh, in order for him to be able to do that successfully, he needs to know who is truly following him and who's not. And so uh, of the apostles, he knew that Judas was going to be the one that ultimately uh, betrays him. And so he wouldn't have entrusted him with anything that was so important that it needed to be done. Does that make sense? Like, if yeah. if Jesus didn't know that Judas was going to betray him, then um, he might have sent Judas to go and get the donkey, and Judas might not have done that right, or, you know what I mean? Not that that was possible, but he Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, and so he also knew that these other apostles... Uh, or sorry, other disciples uh, that weren't part of the Twelve, he knew that when he taught these things, some of them were going to go away, and he understood who those were going to be beforehand. Okay. And then, um, I've always said this before before in like conversations with you, but um, in verse 65 here, it says, And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. So kind of like the the God of the universe is the one that draws you to the son and then there, you can only come to the father through the son right jesus is the way the truth and the life nobody mm -hmm. comes to the father except through me so if you have a faith in jesus christ that means that god the father actually per pursued you and drew you to his son um, jesus which is always thought really flattering because it, it meant that the creator of the universe who's outside of everything you know like in control of everything looked down upon you and was like i i want this one i want i want him to come and have a faith in jesus so it's always like it's always been really flattering to me that you know the the creator uh like actually personally came for me and like told me or or you know put a desire in my heart for jesus christ so that's always really nice to think about you know amen <laughs> yeah and it's you know, God desires that all come to uh, salvation, that, that everybody gets saved. But of course, that's not what's going to happen. Most people who have ever lived are, are unsaved. It's a very small group that actually come to a true and saving faith in the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. Uh, we want that group to be as big as possible. But what the Bible teaches is that the way is narrow, uh, that leads to heaven, essentially, and the way is broad that leads to hell. And so we, we just want to make sure that everybody we can get you know, the week that can hear our message and can hear the message that God's given to us, hears it and comes to faith in him. Uh, yeah. And then the last thing that I'm going to bring up is um, uh, Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy one of God. Like, like Jesus, what else are we gonna do? Like you're you're the you're the one that salvation lies in, and uh, we recognize you as the holy one from God. Like there's there's nothing else outside of you, so yeah. everything else is just false. So where are we gonna go? <laughs> well, and and one of the things that uh, is mentioned in the Bible is that Jesus spoke differently than any other rabbi, especially of that time. What, the way he spoke is he spoke authoritatively and he didn't say, because one of the things that rabbis do even up till today is they don't, they don't work off of their own authority. They work off of the authority of a more trusted older rabbi. And so uh, the rabbis today will quote uh, rabbis from the 1500s or the thousands 
like that is the authority, like that's scripture because it's been trusted for so long. But when Jesus came, he was spoken, he was speaking under his own authority. And so when he came out and he said, I am the way, the truth and the life, when he says these things, he's speaking in a way that no other teacher at the time was doing. And so he was just radically different from anybody else that you could possibly go follow. And so, of course, Peter's 100% correct that, that Jesus Christ is salvation, but he's also just a completely different teacher than anybody had ever experienced before. Yeah, he he would say things like, you have heard that it was said, but I say. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have heard it is said, do not commit adultery, but I say, if you even look at a woman with lust, you're committing adultery with that woman in your heart. So it's... Um, exactly. Yeah, so apparently, to my understanding, people wouldn't, like say anything or like affirm anything from themselves they would just kind of like um like you said preach on things that older rabbis have like brought up in and discussed yeah the the rabbis would say it has been taught for ages that you shall not commit adultery (laughs) i i agree (laughs) i can't teach my i'm not smart enough or i'm not good enough on my own to have my own teaching uh, is kind of how they would teach, where Jesus, like you said, is just directly, I'm the authority, I'm the one that's existed since before eternity, since before the creation of the world. I'm going to decree this authoritatively. Yeah. Oh, well, all right, that is it for my questions. Did you have anything else to, to add to this passage? No, it's a it's a very, this, this whole chapter is, every chapter of the Bible is very dense and deep, but uh, I think that this one's just especially special because of the you know the implications that it has it's talking about how we can get the the bread of life how we can achieve you know what what god wants us to do and and answers so many of the questions that different denominations and different religious systems have so good questions and we'll move on to proverbs 6 yep proverbs 6 all right and then again esv english standard version and we're going to be reading chapter 6 verses 20 through 35. And then I'll go ahead and read this one. All right. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light. And the reproofs of discipline are the way of life to preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. Do not let let her capture you with her eyelashes. Um, For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. And in the Hebrew, on the footnotes, it says, but a a man's wife hunts down a precious life. Um. Can a, man, can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. But if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse, though you multiply gifts. All right. There was a there was a lot here, mm-hmm. but um, 
let's see we can start towards the top um what does it kind of mean to uh you know keep your father's commandment not forsake your mother's teaching bind them on your heart always tie them around your neck when you walk they will lead you when you lie down they will watch over you when you awake they will talk with you uh, like it's basically just saying that you should you should listen to your parents uh you need to basically make make it a part of who you are that's what it means when it says bind them to your heart always tie them around your neck the teachings that your your parents give to you especially if they're christians or at this time they were talking about faithful jews uh before christ because we're in the old testament uh so it's talking about how when you get godly instruction from your parents you need to incorporate that into the very essence of who you are it's, it should be so close to you it's it's uh binded it's bound to your heart it's tied around your neck right uh that also goes along with uh, some other things that the jews would do they had a tradition where they would literally take scripture and tie it around their heads um and uh, put it on different places on their body because they wanted it to be part of who they are uh and and make it like incorporated into their their very essence is essentially what they're going for I know they they would have a little box with, uh, and they would like mm -hmm. strap it to their forehead and like I think inside had like scripture written yep. down. It's called a phylactery. Oh, okay. All right. And so um, there's a verse talking about enlarging your phylacteries, which would be a way to kind of show off I'm I have this much scripture tied to my head. It's a whole big, you know, birdhouse on my forehead, right? Where it's supposed <laughs> most people it's just a little tiny box with a little piece of paper. But yeah. All right. And then we've got this whole uh I think uh this whole passage here for a couple of verses where it's saying basically um uh for the commandment is a lamp um and the teaching a light and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life to preserve you from the evil woman uh, the, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress and you know don't don't desire her beauty in your heart do not let her capture you with her eyelashes um for the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread but a woman hunts down a precious life and so i'm not sure exactly what that what that's trying to say there uh don't commit adultery it's got a whole bot a whole bunch of really 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 bad consequences uh for you for her for everybody involved uh who, your wife is going to if you commit adultery and you're married your wife is is uh wronged uh, if the prostitute has some has a husband or had a husband at one point, he's been wronged. And the other problem is it creates a lot of issues with children and lineage and, uh, you know, whatever whatever person comes out of that interaction or uh, that they're going to be wronged for their entire life, uh, you know, being called names, being made fun of. But, like, even worse than you can imagine today, they, they did not hold back back then when it came to people that were conceived out of wedlock. And so just the effects of adultery and the effects of unfaithfulness uh, were really bad then. They're still really bad today. I'm not trying to minimize today, but especially back then and in that culture, there were huge, huge, huge consequences. And the, and the other thing is God, uh, God describes sexual immorality as one of the worst things that we can do because it's a, it's a sin that we, we do to ourselves and to our own bodies. And so, you know, he's he's telling us that we need to steer clear of that because there's just so many problems with it. And it's something that we need yeah. to take to heart today. Our culture is so, you know, inundated with sexual imagery and, and 
shows that promotes uh, adultery and, and all sorts of just horrible, horrible evils. Yeah, one of the reasonings, too, is that if you're a Christian, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so when you commit adultery, you're like you're committing, you know, a sin against your body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so that was a that was a big deal or that is a big deal. And one thing to highlight here is especially now that and, and, and sorry, one thing to highlight here is you can be saved from it. OK, no matter how horrible your past is and, and what you've done, Jesus Christ's. Uh, sacrifices enough to cover up that sin and to make you uh, and to 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 allow you to go and be in the presence of a completely holy God so even if you've messed up in these kinds of ways you've been an adulterer you've had sex outside of marriage you can be saved from the consequences of those sins through Jesus sacrifice on the cross what about the okay so I saw some people commenting on one of our shorts they were basically saying that if you're in if you're in habitual sin then like you're not going to be saved like that was kind of the impression that i was getting so what about what about things like that like what if somebody is like in habitual sin so ultimately they need to repent of that turn away from the sin and and turn to jesus christ but when people are commenting on those kinds of things they have a fundamental misunderstanding of how we're saved and who saves us. I'm not saved by my own works. I'm not saved by my lack of sin. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the the fact that it's applied to me is through faith. And so as long as you have legitimate faith in Jesus Christ, you've, you're saved. Uh, and you don't need to keep that up either. That's, that's something that Jesus Christ will do for you. So what, what I'm saying is that your sin is not what separates you from from God. It's it's Jesus' sacrifice that 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 unites you with God, and so that is greater than the sin that you're doing. Now, again, we're commanded to to stop sinning, and we're commanded to repent of those sins, and we absolutely should. But just because there is sin in your life doesn't mean that you're not saved. There's going to be some amount of sin that you're going to commit for the rest of your life. But as a Christian, what we what you should start seeing is a, a process called sanctification. So uh, it, there's three different words that are all used kind of interchangeably for salvation. Uh, there's justification. That's what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Uh, it's immediately applied to you and you are justified before God. Uh, the, the second that you have faith in his son and in the sacrifice that he made. The next phase is called sanctification. And so throughout the rest of your life, once you've been saved, once you've been indwelled with the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit is going to work out all of that sin in your life, and he's going to, to help you sin less and less every single day and grow closer to Jesus Christ and what he wants for your life. And so that, that process of sanctification, you should start to see changes in a person's life. And if someone has zero changes, if they're still doing all the exact same sins that they were doing before, then that person should majorly question if they're actually saved or not. And that's something that they need to work out for themselves with fear and trembling, as the Bible says. And so the Christians are still going to sin. Christians are still going to do things that are horribly evil and wrong sometimes. But the fact is that I'm not saved by my own righteousness. I'm saved by the righteousness that Jesus Christ applies to me through a sacrifice. Okay. So, I, I was, oh, and then the, the, the final uh, phase of... Uh, salvation is called glorification. That's when you die, and when Jesus comes and takes you and escorts you up into heaven to be with Him for 
eternity. Okay. All right, so I was doing a little bit of uh, reading. Uh, so that's going to be done with, we're going to be done with Proverbs there. But um, let me let me go to Mark. It's going to be the end of Mark, right? Um, I think there are like 16 chapters. Let me see. So yeah, 16 chapters. All right, something that tripped me up last night. Um, so it, it was basically saying there, there are like apparently two different endings <clears throat> to Mark. One ends at like chapter eight and then another one, then you mean in verse, some eight? Manuscripts, verse eight. Yeah. And then in some manuscripts, it keeps going. And so, um, what I was reading is, uh, it was talking about like salvation, right? And um, it, it, it says the Great Commission at like the kind of paragraph thing. And so this is Mark chapter 16, verse 14. Um, Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into the world and proclaim um, the gospel to the, uh, to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but those who do not believe will be condemned. So weird thing about baptism there. Um, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out. So this is what tripped me up. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands and they will drink. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And then they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. And so is this, essentially, I'll put it simply, does this apply to me? So is it saying like, um, if I have a belief in Jesus, am I supposed to cast out demons, speak in new <laughs> tongues, and lay my hands on the sick and they will recover? It, it's it's hilarious that you bring this up because I actually was in an argument over on X with somebody about this exact verse last night. No way. Yeah. No way. Um, it's amazing <laughs> how God works. Yeah. 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 Um. So what you what you have to see is a number one. Um. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven. Okay. Uh. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness. Uh. Right. Uh who they had not believed those who saw him after he said to them, he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And so uh, my, my belief and my understanding of this passage is that it's, it's specifically talking about the actual apostles. This isn't uh, something for, so you, you'll, you'll see that like um, they will pick up serpents with their hands. So there's actually some, I, I believe, and, and uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, somebody, uh, that there are some charismatic, uh, 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 some very ultra charismatic uh, uh, churches where they'll actually like get a snake and the preacher will like hold the snake and try to let it bite him. And, uh, you know, it, it, it leads to some pretty crazy stuff. My, my understanding of what I can see just reading this passage is he's talking to the 11. He, he doesn't say to everyone generally go do this. He says it to the 11 themselves. And so I believe those were those specific signs were things that they were supposed to go out and do and were uh, were basically a prophecy of some of the things that we see happen in the book of Acts. 
I yeah, believe like the uh, tongues coming down at Pentecost, right? Uh, and I believe that uh, Paul, on one of his voyages, he gets shipwrecked on an island, and I think, if I'm remembering the story correctly, he gets bitten by a snake, and then he, the, it's a snake that would normally be poisonous, and then he just kind of shakes it off and it falls in the fire and he doesn't have any bad effects from it, and everybody's kind of amazed by it. So I think that this is literally saying that these 11 people are going to go do these specific signs, and so... While I believe that it's possible that people could do those same signs, not people, I believe that God could do those signs uh, today. I don't think we're called as Christians to go out and do all of these things. I'm not called to go and drink deadly poison. Uh, you know, I'm not called to go and mess with, with snakes, right? Uh, I, what I'm called to do is go out and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he was crucified for the, you know, for, for us to be saved from our sins. So that that is what, what about- I... Yeah. What about casting out demons and laying your hands on the sick? Uh, again, I, so there are some of these things that are in other places we are commanded to go do. Uh, everyone's commanded to go do potentially. But in this specific case, these specific signs were for those 11, I believe. Okay. Uh, so like, you know, he, uh, you said like casting out demons. I believe that if someone had a problem with demons today, that Christians could deal with it properly if we do it by faith. Uh, again, uh, Christians wouldn't be the ones dealing it. Sorry, it's uh, it's hard. <laughs> God's the one that does everything. So if I ever say that Christians do a sign or that that a human being does a miracle, it's God that's doing it ultimately. And so, if those things were to happen, it's because God wanted them to happen. It's not for me to go out and try to make them happen. If someone's sick, I'll pray for them. Uh, if it's the if it's in the Lord's will, He's going to heal them. If not, then not. But these eleven, they were going to heal people. They were going to see these signs take place. I don't think that I'm necessarily going to see someone healed by God uh, because of you know a prayer that I say. But that is possible. So. I don't know if that's a little, if that's more confusing or not, but. <laughs> um, I guess the, my last question really quick is just going to be um, verse 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Um, it It's not really saying whoever believes and is not baptized. So is that kind of like, um, what, what what would you say about the whole addition of baptism right there? Yeah, so uh, there's two. So there's a few different answers to this, and and you already kind of covered the the one that's most obvious. So when we're reading scripture, you have to read it word for word. Okay, so when it says whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Like you were saying, it doesn't say but whoever does not believe and is not baptized will be condemned. Right. So you have to look at the specific words that are being used, and so. We know that baptism isn't necessary for salvation because the thief on the cross wasn't baptized himself. So if that was the case, then, uh, you know, he wouldn't have been in paradise with Jesus, right? So, but the, the other thing is um, there's two different baptisms, okay? And uh, again, like salvation, there's three different kinds of salvation and that, that a, different, a passage could be talking about. In this instance, there's two baptisms. There's a baptism by the Holy Spirit and fire. That's something that happens in heaven immediately upon uh, someone having saving faith in Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross. And then as a symbol of that heavenly act, we're called to uh, be baptized in water 
uh, as a symbol of us joining the church and joining uh, God's family. And so uh, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But it, it just takes the belief. And then God does the baptism in heaven himself. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I remember you talking about the baptism of fire or something like that. Yeah, so it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, I believe, is the way it's it's uh, the phrase in the Holy... I believe that's the phrase to look for in the Bible. I can look I can look for some verses real quick. I want I wonder if it has to do with like refining because when you throw things into the fire it like it refines them and like takes out the impurities, right? You know, I'm I'm not quite sure what it means because it's it's not talking about an earthly thing. It's talking about something happening happening in heaven. And so it might be fire, it might be some kind of spiritual thing that looks like fire. I I don't quite know what it what it means to have fire in heaven oh i see uh so a, a lot of people my understanding and my belief is that heaven is more than than what we have here on earth a lot of people tend to think of like when you think of heaven or spirits you think of like ghosts it's it's something that's less than alive or less than physical but the reality is that heaven is more than what we have it's more than just physical so jesus has a physical body up in heaven right now but that that body is greater than what we have we can see when jesus shows up after his resurrection he's kind of going through walls he he just appears places and seems to kind of like teleport and so the the body that he has is greater than the body that we have and we're all going to get a body like his when we're in heaven as well so the reason i'm saying that is the uh, the baptism of fire could be something greater than fire, right? Just like, kind of like, you know, you could have a campfire and that's hot, right? But then there's an, a nuclear explosion that's also in some sense fire, but it's on such a greater order of magnitude that it's almost a different thing. Oh, okay. All right. Do we have anything else to go over before we do some other things? No, we, uh, I'm, I'm good. Uh, those were great questions. It's just, it's crazy that that exact verse got brought up <laughs> last night for me and, and it was on your heart. Um, and another thing, uh, cause you were, you, you mentioned in, in Mark 16, the end of that chapter, uh, some people believe that it was added in later manuscripts. Uh, one of the things to, to know about that section is it directly matches up with, uh, the end of, a, of one of the other gospels. And so it's the exact same message from one of the other gospels if it was added incorrectly or improperly so it's not it's not like there is new teachings that were added it's that it was kind of a repeat and what and the co and whoever copied it was just like yeah this should be in here too it, it, you know so before anybody thinks that it's like completely new teaching and completely alien to the rest of the bible uh it, it's not as bad as it sounds so the footnotes on uh, Blue Letter Bible basically say some manuscripts end the book with 16.8. Others include verses 19 through 20 immediately after verse 8. At least one manuscript inserts additional material after verse 14. Some manuscripts include after verse 8 the following, but they reported briefly to Peter and those with him all that they had been told. And after this, Jesus himself sent out by means of them from east to west the, the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. Uh, these manuscripts then continue with verses 19 through 20. And so uh, basically, that's just where the Bible comes from is these manuscripts, right? 
these really older uh, the actual text of the Bible comes from manuscripts and then it has been um, copied and like distributed, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And so uh, praise God, we don't have the original manuscripts of the, of the new Testament. Cause they would be revered like some kind of crazy, holy object. Um, <laughs> but what we do have, are we have thousands and thousands and thousands of different, sometimes full and complete texts but mostly we have thousands and thousands and thousands of fragments of the text and even uh, basically like sermon notes from different uh, early church teachers and leaders. And so what, uh, what, what scholars have done is they've collected all of this data. And today in the, in the late, in the, you know, the 21st century, what they've done is they've used computers and AI to kind of stitch together what the original manuscripts had to have said. And so, we actually know exactly what was in each one of the books to a very, very, very high degree, more so than we know that we have a correct, a correct and complete copy of the Iliad or the Odyssey. We have, I think there's like a few hundred copies of, of those texts and each one has slight little differences between them. Cause it's when you're sitting there and you're writing it out physically by hand, there's going to be some amount of errors that, that just get entered into that text. Um, and so we only have a few hundred copies of the Iliad or the Odyssey, and we use that to get a mostly accurate uh, understanding of what that text would have said. But for the New Testament, and, and the Iliad and the Odyssey is the next best verified text that we have. Uh, but for the New Testament, we have literally tens of thousands of fragments and, like I said, full documents where we can compare and contrast and see which errors popped up when and and kind of use that all through different you know ai and through different uh, uh scholastic methods to know that we we have 100 percent of the original manuscript and what it said okay all right um let's go ahead and go on into some aiw clips that we uh are going to react to so again guys uh Ryan does some pretty cool stuff over at As It Is Written. And if you want to check out his stuff, it's um, AIIW on YouTube, I believe. Uh, it's As It Is Written on YouTube, uh, but you can check it out over at AIIW.org. Uh, that'll be all the different social media and everything is going to be there. Okay. All right. So first up, we've got Which Cross Are You On? And it has to do with Billy Graham. All right. Mm -hmm. I want to play that in three, two, one. Which cross are you on? You got to watch this. One of the thieves began to look. They were both guilty. They both deserved to die according to Roman law. One of them began to look at Jesus. And he began to see something he'd never seen anywhere else before. He saw that Jesus was different. And he began to say to himself, he must be the son of God. And he rebuked the other thief, saying, Don't you fear God? We deserve what we're getting, but he hasn't done anything wrong. Then he turned to Jesus and he said, Lord, remember me when you come to your kingdom. What an act of faith. And Jesus said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Yes, that thief is going to be in heaven, and you're going to see him. Jesus took him by the death of the cross. Two thieves. Which are you? Which cross are you on? The one that's rejecting or neglecting or even making fun? Or are you the one that receives and accepts? 
All right, I paused that. Did it keep going for you? Okay. Nope, cool. we're good. Um, it, I was just gonna say it's it, <laughs> it's really uh cool seeing um some uh cool like trappy background music to Billy Graham. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I like to kind of you know make it a little bit more interesting than just a guy talking to you. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, but it's true. We all have two choices. We can believe the message or we can reject the message and. And so we have there, there. There's a ton of evidence of Jesus's uh, historical personhood. Like he was a real man that really mm-hmm. did exist. And then your choice is: is Jesus who he says he is? Is um is he actually the Messiah, the Son of God, or is he just a prophet and a wise man or a sage or whatever? Well, right? and and what uh what C.S. Lewis said is: is he a liar, a lunatic, or is he the Lord of the universe? Yeah, and, and so you it's it's your choice ultimately. Um I believe it's true. I believe it's real. He's he's re- in a sense revealed himself to me and um not not physically. I didn't see God or anything like that, but it was definitely put on my heart that this is real. This is like everything that I had been looking for. Uh, I knew there was something else. There was something more to this life and then finding out there is an afterlife and um for for believers and unbelievers so we we definitely do have an afterlife um this whole existence would be completely pointless if there was no afterlife so um the fact that there is one and you get to go to heaven if you put your faith in jesus christ that was uh that was the motivator for me (laughs) well and and what what uh, what people need to understand is we aren't going to see jesus christ directly but i can definitely see the impact that he's had on your life I, I don't think I knew you bef- before you were saved, so I've known you only since you have been, but even since then, seeing the impact that he's had, the changes that he's made on your heart, and the the way he's driven you to get that sin that was in your life out and to, to stop doing it has, uh, you know, it confirms the fact that Jesus has a huge impact, and, and he can't have a huge impact like that if he's not real. And yeah. so... It, it, it that's that's how you see Jesus is through his disciples his his light shines down from heaven and then is reflected you know in us to other people and so uh you know it's just been a huge blessing to kind of see that and get to see you when you were a very early christian and and just you know struggling with the sin that was in your life and the the different things that you were going through at the time and seeing how god has worked that out and and changed you and and made you into the man that you are today it's been a it's been a huge blessing to me just getting to see that process and and see the work that Jesus Christ has done in your life. Well, that's that's awesome, man. I appreciate you saying that. Of course, of course. It's it's beautiful and and you know, just you and and Sky and and just everything that you've been through, it's it's been a it, it's it's really been a joy to be able to watch that whole that whole process from a very early stage. Yeah, I um I have yet to see that like with other people. So I, I gotta, like, I haven't really seen somebody come to faith in their, like in their new belief. I've seen, I've hung out with a lot of people who are already Christians, but I'm always like the youngest Christian in the room. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? So yeah, I, uh, I haven't really seen that myself yet, but um, that'd well, be cool to see. <laughs> well, and, and one of the things that was really incredible uh, was to see that your, your passion and your heart to spread the gospel. Once you, once you received it and once you had it and realized the changes that it made in your life to, to see the the passion that you had to go out and just tell everybody you could find that, that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he can radically change your life. It's, 
it's one of the it's one of the most incredible things I've ever witnessed in my life is is to see that change. Awesome, dude. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> I just I uh I knew that I had salvation for myself and I and I, and I was just like, man, well, I'm good. What what about everybody else? And so that that was kind of like the motivator there is I want to I I just got a free gift. I just got all my, you know, I'm not going to jail now, so I want to <laughs> tell everybody else that they could have a free gift in Jesus Christ. Like, man, your sins can be forgiven too. You can go to heaven for free as well. So I just wanted to, you know, drop that on people's laps and and uh, let them take it from there. You know. Well, and the other thing is, it really it really shamed me because you know I've I've had the good news of of Jesus Christ and and what He's done for me my whole life, and I've never had a heart to to share it like that before, and so. You know, uh, seeing that and seeing that in you really led me to start doing this online stuff, and you know, just 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 been such a beautiful, uh, a, a beautiful process, and I'm glad that we get to do this here today, together. Yeah, man, it was it wasn't like um, I wasn't trying to be like a pious guy or, or anything like that. I was just almost in a panic, like, <laughs> oh gosh, what about what about all these people? You know, it wasn't like I was like trying to be like the best christian possible or anything like that <laughs> no 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 you you were definitely not trying to be holier than thou literally the way that it that it was that it is with you is is it's like you got rescued from a sinking ship and now you're trying to go around and rescue other people from a sinking ship right it's not that you're any better than they were uh you're just on a ship that doesn't have a hole in it <laughs> and you're like hey yeah. dude you got a hole in your ship man you're you're gonna drown <laughs> yeah yeah all right um we got time for um another reaction and then maybe like a qu couple questions or something cool all right we got one more coming up and this is uh this is your pastor over here yes and then, so uh, uh it's pastor bob copany over here at calvary chapel east anaheim and uh, he's got a really interesting message for us so we'll uh, watch that right now all righty Pastor Bob explains to us one major difference between Christianity and every other religion. You gotta watch this. Sometimes people will say to you or to me, oh, but pastor, don't we really? All the religions of the world, they worship the same God, they just have a different name. The American Indians, they worship the Great Spirit, and, and Muslims worship Allah, but isn't that just all a name for the same God? No, it's not. Hinduism worships many gods, but that would be the God who's the around us God. Islam worships the beyond us God. Even Judaism worships the above us God. But Jesus Christ was born to be the one of us and the one with us God. That's who he is. Emmanuel, it means God with us. And that's the difference between all these other religions and Christianity. God wants to be with you. He wants to live in your heart and you can accept him by faith today. All right. It's true. It's funny. Like before the stream, we were just talking about that, too. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and like there was like some gospels were talking about how um, you will conceive a child and you will name him uh, Jesus. And then in some other gospels, it says and, and he will be called Emmanuel, which basically translates to God with us. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's uh it's it's really it's really interesting. Um, I I know a lot of people do have that view that um, don't. It, there's only one God actually. So like, aren't we all worshiping the same God and just calling him different things? And um, really, there is like God set up his his um, 
his rules and his, uh, you know, with Moses writing the Pentateuch and, and the first five books of the Bible and, and stuff like that. And then along that came people who had different beliefs and made their own systems of religion and stuff like that. And so uh, there's, there's just the one true God and everything else is a construct of Satan to distract mm -hmm. you from the one true God. Yep. Well, and, and humanity was given the perfect revelation of who God is through Adam, who actually, you know, physically walked with God in the garden. And so what happened since then, uh, you know, Adam to Noah, there was a whole bunch of corruptions that happened and people were, were horribly wicked and evil, much like I believe we are today. And then uh, obviously there was the flood and Noah kind of reset it, but he had all the proper teachings given to him and passed down from Adam. And then uh, from there, through his, through Noah's sons, there's just been corruptions and problems that have entered into the true, the true faith uh, since then. And so that's where we see all these other religions come from. Is just yeah. corruptions of that 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 perfect message that was given to us. Yeah, and you kind of see that with like the like the Samaritan woman um, when he was like, um, you know, you. You, uh, that he was, she was asking him. Um, you Jews say that we have to worship here, but us Samaritans believe we should worship here. Um, and then Jesus is basically saying, "You Samaritans know very little of the one who you worship. Um, salvation comes through the Jews." And it was just kind of like you guys are disconnected a little bit. You don't really know what you're like, what the actual truth is, and or, or something like that. But. Mm -hmm. Yep. So. Well, and, and ultimately, that's a failing of our fathers. What was supposed to happen and, and the, the order that God had for the universe is that Adam was supposed to rightly teach his children, his children were supposed to rightly teach their children, and it's supposed to be passed down properly in that way. But, you know, through our own sinfulness, through our own uh, wickedness, we, you know, we corrupt that message and, and we get what we have today where there's thousands of different religions and beliefs and and you know, wrong ways of, of worshiping the, the creator who loves us. Yeah, that's true. All right. So we're getting about at the end of our time um, from some of the questions that did you want to do one of the questions that we um, had on our, our list here? Yeah. Let me try to pull up one of those questions. Whichever one you want to cover or answer. Okay. So we've got... Uh, let's do, we'll do two of them, if you don't mind. We've got uh, questions five and six, and uh, those are what does heaven look like and what does hell look like? Uh, so what uh, I wanted to do here is there's some scripture to read uh, based on that. Uh, and so, uh, you know, heaven's described in a, in a few different places in, in various ways, Uh it's described as a place where God's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. There should be no, no more death or sorrow or crying, no pain. Um, and so uh, here's a more physical description of what heaven's going to look like. Uh, in Revelation 22, 1 through 2, it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits. Each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Um, and so that's in Revelation in John 14.2. It says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So what it's describing in these verses is that it's going to be a place of just incredible abundance. 
So normally trees don't yield fruit every month. Uh, they yield it either once or twice a year uh, for the most part. And so it's going to be a, a more abundant place than, than what we have here on Earth. And so, sorry if it wasn't clear, the question is, what does heaven look like? And I think that's asking it more from a physical description kind of a thing. Um, and so that's what I'm a answering here as well. Uh, and so in Revelation 21, 18 through 21, it says the construction of its walls was of jasper and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the uh, wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sard sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophase, the eleventh jacinth and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And so what that passage is saying is that it's going to be a place of incredible wealth, more wealth than you could possibly even imagine, so much so that the walls of this uh, city are going to be made of the most precious and desirable uh, gemstones, right? Like today, we couldn't build walls out of that kind of uh out of those kinds of stones because of how expensive it would be and how rare they are and just not even having enough material but heaven's going to be a place of so much overabundance and so much wealth and prosperity and, and perfection that even you know mundane things like a wall or a street could be made of something that we can't even comprehend or imagine um it's going to be beautiful that's crazy yeah and so uh, another thing, an oh, interesting thing we found out about these uh, 12 um, gemstones. So there, there is, uh, we, what we can do with light is we can filter out, uh, when, you, when, you, when light enters in your eyeball, there's all kinds of light going all different directions, and you only see what comes directly in. But uh, today with uh, like polarized sunglasses, we can filter out every bit of light that isn't going in a specific direction. And so when you take light that's been double polarized, so you have one filter from a sunglass lens, and then you have another one uh, completely perpendicular to it. Uh, when you and uh, the light that comes through those two lenses is called pure light. And when you uh, it, when you use that pure light to illuminate these twelve stones, they uh, look like the color of the rainbow. It looks beautiful, and and one of the, it's one of the most spectacular things you could see. When you illuminate other materials, other gemstones that aren't these 12, they're black and completely that you can't really see much of anything. And they look ugly. Uh, so I just thought that was a pretty interesting thing the, the, and that these 12 stones, they didn't have pure light. The, the Hebrews had no way of, you know, double pol polarizing light. And so they couldn't have known this about these 12 stones, but God knew that and chose them because they're extra special and have special properties to them. That's crazy. So it's just going to be like, it seems like the whole atmosphere is going to be like a rainbow kind of thing because the light's going to be hitting the street and the walls and it's just going to be refracting everywhere else. Well, and uh, one of the other things uh, here, I'll read Isaiah. This leads into Isaiah 60, 19 through 20. It says, the sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you. But the Lord will be to you an everlasting light and your God, your glory. Your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. And when it says mourning, it means, uh, like, sadness Sorrow. mourning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and so you know it's possible that the light that emanates from god is this is this pure light that that is a potential you know reading of it um is that to say that there's not going to be any nighttime in heaven correct oh wow yeah so there won't be a day there the the days of the morning will also be over in the uh day night sense as well okay uh cuz yeah so it's going to it's going to be a, a ra- heaven will be a radically different place than than where we are here on earth. It's going to be essentially what God, you know, envisioned for us for from eternity past. It, it's what God wants us to be in its perfection and, and beauty and abundance. Uh, a lot of different places. It talks about how we're going to be feasting with God and how we're going to be, um, you know, it's just going to be everything you could ever possibly imagine in the best possible sense. Yeah, you know we're going to be eating with our glorified bodies because, you know, the marriage supper of the Lamb, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and, and we know that because when Jesus came down, I believe every time that he appeared, he ended up eating, except uh, maybe for his ascension. But a lot of the times uh, that Jesus appears after his death and resurrection, uh, he's eating with the disciples. And so that's how we that's one way that we know that it's a physical body because uh, he's eating with them. But it also means that, you know, you're not going to eat if it's not enjoyable and so i think it's going to be an enjoyment for us to be able to eat and feast uh, even in our new uh, in our new bodies huh all right i wonder if we're actually gonna sleep as well <laughs> uh i i don't believe so uh i i believe sleep is a is also a function of the decay and the death and and everything that we live in right now okay all right next question what does hell look like yeah, so uh, basically, in, in the Bible, it's referred to. Uh, there's a, there's a few different things that might be referred to when someone says hell. Uh, the first thing would be hell is a place described in the Bible as uh, Gehenna or Sheol or Hades, and so that's kind of like a holding tank for all the bad people. And so right now, uh, in a place called that's described as a bottomless pit, there are. Uh, beings that are being held captive down there as well as uh the dead people that weren't saved uh so they're in that place called Gehenna or Sheol and so uh sorry mostly I believe I'm talking about Sheol and so uh they're not, they're suffering there but it's not their final destination the the final destination and what most people are thinking of when we say the word hell today is called the lake of fire and so those are those are two different places the first place is kind of like a holding it's like the difference between uh, jail and prison right uh so if you if you just committed a crime you're going to get picked up and they're going to take you to jail for the night until they figure out what to do with you once you've been convicted of a crime and you've been sentenced to you know years or decades in prison they're going to transfer you to a prison where they're going to hold you for a long time and so uh sheol is kind of like the jail where they're getting held for a short period of time relative to eternity. And then at the end of days, once uh, Jesus comes back, once he's reigned for a thousand years, after that point, everyone's going to be judged. And uh, those who don't have the blood of Jesus Christ that washed away their sins, who didn't have faith in Jesus Christ, they're going to get cast out into a place called the Lake of Fire. And so uh, that's a different place than Sheol. And so neither place do you want to be because once you're in either one of them, you're there for eternity. Like you're, you're, you're damned for eternity. You're not in Sheol for eternity. And so, uh, 
I, there aren't a lot of physical descriptions of hell except to say that it's a, a place of uh, eternal torment. There's like fire and burning and gnashing of teeth. And it's just a, a place that will ultimately be completely separated from God. You, you chose to be separate from God. And so God's going to put you as far away from him as he could possibly put you. And that's going to be a place where you are eternally tormented by that decision uh, in some way. I believe it's going to be a physical torment, but there's, there, there are some other beliefs on that. Okay. All right. Anything else to add before we get out of here? Uh, that's, uh, that's all I got for those questions. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun making these episodes with you. It's, it's been really great to see the growth of the YouTube channel over the last, uh, month or two that, that your wife Sky has been putting up those shorts. And so I'm, I'm just really thankful for the work that she does with that. It's, it's a huge blessing to us that we get to make this content and then she can kind of make it into something that's a little bit, you know, more bite-sized and, and easy, more easy to share. So, yeah, she, she's been working hard every day and making some really good content and it's been helping the channel grow a lot. So I really appreciate the work she's been doing as well. And, um, man, uh, with, with the speed that it's going at, I, um, I hope that we could be monetized in like the next like 60 days, man. That'd be amazing. It's possible. Uh, things are, are really starting to cook with my, with my own personal channel, uh, AIIW.org. Um, yeah, my YouTube took it, it took me a year to get to a hundred, a uh, hundred subscribers, and then over the last year it's gone from a hundred. Now I'm up to eighteen hundred, and so once it starts going, it really just starts taking off quick. And so it's it's definitely possible that that we'll hit that milestone pretty soon. And I, I'm just thankful that the, the reason why I really want this channel to be monetized is because that means that YouTube is then incentivized to spread our message. It means that they're going to get paid every time that our videos are shown. And so uh, once YouTube's want to incentivize to spread it, then that means that more people are going to get to see the, the gospel message that we have to, to share with everybody. And that's really what I want is, is for uh, everybody to hear the gospel. All right. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I just want other people to understand that the, the gift of Jesus, the gift of Jesus Christ is free. It's mm -hmm. a free pardon from all of your sins and it grants you access to, you know, God's kingdom, which is heaven. And so all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus Christ and take the claims that are made in the Bible seriously and actually make this decision um, yourself. And, um, you know, just make Jesus the Lord of your life and put your faith in him and, you know, walk away from your lifestyle, the sinful lifestyle that you've been living and, um, and God, and God will help you with that. But yep. ultimately just, you know, read the gospels, you know, check it out for yourself and, um, and, um, yeah, put your faith in Jesus Christ. Cause we want to see as many people come to faith as possible. And, um, ultimately it just means that you're going to be in heaven with us and you're going to have an, an abundant eternal life. And so, yeah, that's what we're, we're hoping for everybody that hears this message. Amen. Amen. And yeah, we just also want to, uh, if you've already accepted Christ, we just want to, you know, give you uh, like, uh, we just want to make sure that you you know that you have a responsibility to go out and share the gospel yourself. I, I didn't take that responsibility seriously until far too late in my life. Not too late, but far later in my life than I, than it, than I should have. Um, so I just want to get that message out there. And, and one of the things God's been putting on my heart and, and something that you guys can all pray for me about is I really want to start a, a ministry where I go and I help churches 
put their uh, cut up their videos that they're already putting online and, and turn them into vehicles and tools for their congregants to go and share the gospel. So that's something that's been that's been really you know been a, been something that I've really been thinking about recently. And so I just uh, any anybody that has any advice or any comments about that, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. And uh, your prayers would be very much appreciated. Yeah, and then um, if you guys want to give Ryan that advice, text us at 833-262-6431, and it'll go straight to him personally. And then um, if you also have a church that you attend that you'd like to see your sermons cut up and made into bite-sized uh, content, again, 833-262-6431. Yeah, I, I'd love to help you walk through that process if that's something you want to start doing for, for your pastor. Uh, as you saw that I've been doing it with Pastor Bob, I think he's a great preacher, and I think every pastor's got one minute of content every week that you could chop up and make into a pretty good video. Yeah, that's true. So if you need any advice or any any ideas on where to start, you know, what kind of software to use, all that, uh, hit me up at that text, uh, that, uh, that that phone number, and yeah, we'll uh, see what we can do. Well, all right, everybody. I think that's going to wrap up our time here. We hope that you've enjoyed this uh, episode. We hope that you um, have a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And if you already do, make sure you go and spread that gospel to other people. And um, we hope to see you guys next time. All right, everybody. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>